This is Carson Wentz, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining me today, one of our oldest friends in the industry, a former uh, a former homebody here in the Central Texas region, one of the guys who I legitimately look up to probably more than anybody in this space, and somebody that has been a, a, a mentor and sort of a role model for me in fantasy football, so it's awesome to have him back on again. His name, of course, is Sigmund Bloom of Football Guys. You can find him on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom. You can find all his content over at Football Guys if you are willing to wade through the most content of any site in the world to, <laughs> be, to, to, to be able to find the things that he actually writes. Sig, so great to see you, brother. What, what the hell's going on, man? Yeah, it's great to see you. You know, I remember rubbing elbows with you a lot because we were both in Central Texas out at football events. When the reason you were there, making a website, to do fantasy football and make money. That wasn't a thing. You were there because you loved it. (laughs) And I had just as much admiration for you, my friend. I know that Alex Dunlap was a name I would mention so that people knew that real people who could accomplish real things out in the world by like being a successful rock and roll band and <laughs> you know, play with Drew Brees also like to obsess and write uh, like we do. And that's what keeps us coming back every year. The love of the game. Yeah, man. And we do love the game. And do you know what people love this time of year, Sig, is they love to hear about their sleepers. I was on the right. series. I was on the Sirius XM show this weekend. We had a few different callers that were calling in and asking, uh, on both days, calling and asking, who are your late round dart throws? Who are you guys who are sleepers? Who are the guys you think that could break out this year? So, hey, man, when you have Sigmund Bloom on, the, the guest that mo- the most people want to hear about, I want to talk about the subject that most people want to yeah. hear about. And so it's sleepers. I thought we could just go division by division. I've gone through and, uh, you know, pick some of them. And, of course, you can define sleep. Hi, Sig, just let, let me sure. ask you let me ask you to go a little bit meta because that's what you're that's that's arguably what you're best at here what what do you what do you consider us what what do you consider a sleeper at this yeah. point yeah well, like you said, it's good to start with late round draft. I mean, that's a good filter right there. You don't draft sleepers in the first half of your draft. And the whole sleeper term implies that they could wake up. And it could be any number of things that allow them to wake up. Uh, but they're players that have value that can have the petals spread open like a flower in springtime, even though it's fall and football's <laughs> played when the leaves turn colors and everything gets dark. Yeah, right. So we don't necessarily have to, it doesn't necessarily have to be these guys that aren't being drafted drafted or they don't you know it's a guy who you can pick later on in your draft they could end up you know could end up being um could end up having some having some value so uh let's just start it out man i figured we could just start out in the south uh mm-hmm. since you and i are both uh, you and i are both here in the southern part of the united states sig of course now in the new orleans area me here in the austin texas area and in the afc south do you want to go first or do you want do you want do you want, do you want me to go first? Go ahead, you go first and I'll co- Okay. 
it was a, it, AFC South was one that was a little bit a little bit tough for me, but I th- the one I finally ended up landing on was Marvin Jones because whenever I just look at what the uh, Jaguars have at the wide receiver position, I think that a lot of these guys, you know, LaVisca Chenault is unproven outside of one college football season. Um, you have uh, you have DJ Chark, who's been battling injuries and really is unproven out of except for one. NFL season, but it's mainly just Marvin Jones. You know, he was picked by that staff to be there. He's going at like what, depending on where you look between like wide receiver 52 and wide receiver 55. I think it's hard to, you know, find a guy in that range that, you know, I, I feel like Marvin Jones, I don't know. I, I feel like in week one, I feel like if I really needed to, I could maybe slide him in as my wide receiver three mm-hmm. and you know, at wide receiver 52, I feel like that that's pretty good value. Yeah, I'll second that. He's the elder statesman. He's the one that Brian Schottenheimer knows. They've uh, been together, or Derek Bevel. Uh, so um, this is a guy uh, that is being drafted as a third Jags receiver off the board, but probably a few weeks into the season will think he should have been first. And he's carrying himself like the alpha. And they start out with Houston. So like you said, Alex, I mean, I'm going to start everybody against Houston this year. And (laughs) this is a tough division to find sleepers. Tennessee's offense is pretty straightforward. Indy's offense, everything is by committee. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we can talk about Michael Pittman. Uh, Houston is just a toxic waste dump. I mean, maybe there'll be something there, but who knows if anything will sustain value. And I think that almost by process of elimination, one of the guys I want to bring up here is Carson Wentz. And maybe the reason to bring up Carson Wentz as a sleeper is two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues, which continue to grow. It makes the game more fun. Mm -hmm. And Wentz is already out there practicing. I think Frank Reich said he wanted him to have two weeks of full practice to be ready for week one. Well, it's three weeks before week one, and he's out there practicing in a limited fashion. But he's going to be on the short end of that five to 12 week time frame to return. And Frank Reich, right? He's reunited. United with the guy who was part of the team that helped him have his best years. So if you're going to tell a story where he redeems himself or it was just the Eagles organization collapsing around him and Wentz can still be good as long as he's on the field, then I, I think I can still buy into that now that he's back on the field. Do you know what he's also is back and he's back in a dome on turf like he wasn't like he wasn't called oh, right where he would just run over he would just truck people run over them in those highlights man I, I didn't think about that until you just started talking but maybe maybe he could bring back some of that stuff um, all right let's go to the NFC the NFC South and for me with this one a lot more to pick through here and I almost went with Adam Troutman the tight end for the saints, but everybody who listens to this podcast sort of knows that I'm on him. It's more of a guy that I've kind of gotten up to speed on recently. And it's Gio Bernard, uh, where, where he's going in these drafts, especially PPR. It's uh, I just man, Byron's been out there at Tampa Bay bucks. He was at Tampa Bay bucks, Titans uh, joint practices last week. And he was just like, man, Gio as weird as it is between Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette and Gio Bernard, Gio Bernard, has the most established and identifiable role of all of them. And it's like, he's going to be money in the bank for a certain role that you want. I mean, it's going to be sort of a third down and receiving back, but he sure does look the part out there. He's been having a great camp. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Gio Bernard, who's going later than both those guys. I love that. And I may have, if you hadn't taken Bernard, I probably would have said Bernard. (laughs) I love it. Going back to the definition of sleepers, the idea is folks, I want you to get to the, 10th, 11th, 12th round of your draft. You want to have a list of players. You don't, you're not playing games with ADP. You're not trying to time picks. You're just getting the players you know that in the second half of the draft can have value. And Bernard fits because, you know, Alex, you just kind of run the mental simulation. Who's going to be most reliable? Who's going to be the 
running back who makes the coaches feel like when he's out on the field, we don't have to worry about anything. Is it Ronald Jones? Is it Leonard Fournette? It's still Giovanni Bernard, and he doesn't have to just be James White. So, and it's going to be an amazing offense. They could just run up the score on everybody whenever they get there. Because I think Arians and Brady are going to really put their foot on the throat of opponents and have a lot of fun this year. Like you said, there's a lot of picks here. Everyone needs to know Terrace Marshall, the rookie, and Carolina's looking good. Uh, you got to uh, know that Quadri Olison. There's not a lot of subtlety, but he's the backup to Mike Davis. So if you don't like Mike Davis, you should be taking Olson late in your drafts. But I'm going to go back to the Saints. You mentioned him here in New Orleans. Got to mention the Saint Marquez Callaway, and you have Michael Thomas hurt, Traquan Smith hurt. I think he's back on the practice field. But Callaway, who was very good when he got on the field for a brief uh, three, four games last year, was very productive, and then hurt his ankle uh, as undrafted free agent last year. And now he's carrying himself like the number one receiver, and he's been the most targeted receiver no matter who's the quarterback. So I think Marquez Callaway is very close to the top of that list of players that you make sure you go away with in your draft. I like it. Yeah, Marquez Callaway definitely been moving up a, a lot of boards. And you know, people have been, people have been like, well, is this just going to be a situation that – uh, once Traquan Smith comes back, are we gonna, you know, are we gonna still still like him as much? For me, it's, I mean, how long is Traquan? Traquan Smith had a good amount of time here to kind of show us what he is. I, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely big on the Marquez Callaway stuff too. All right, a, let's 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 move eastward from here. We'll go eastward. We'll travel through the north and we'll end with the west. Um, AFC East. I went back and forth on whether on on two New York Jets wide receivers. I'm not sure which one is the bigger sleeper, but for me, it was between Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. Reese just recently with Corey Davis, which is how much he's been targeted when he's yeah. on the field with Zach Wilson. Uh, so maybe you kind of want to lean to him, but I feel like people are getting off Elijah Moore right now because it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. He's been injured. He was one of my favorite prospects in this uh, in this entire draft class. He was lighting up camp. You can still get him really late. I mean, in these home leagues, you're going to be able to get Elijah Moore in the 12th, 13th round of these drafts. Um, so I'm going to go with Elijah Moore. And I love that. Remember, he was just dazzling everybody. I think it was Connor Hughes from The Athletic, Alex, who said, every day I go to practice and I try to concentrate on someone other than Elijah Moore, and every day he makes that possible. <laughs> that's great. That's meaningful to me. You yeah. know, That's meaningful. And who knows if it'll totally translate. And with Davis, like you said, he's getting so many targets. And with a rookie quarterback especially, because everything is sped up. There was a real good Robert Solly quote. He said in college, he's talking about Trey Lance. I'm sorry, uh, Zach Wilson getting uh, sped up. Because he said in college, the ball arrives before the man, but in the pros, the man arrives before the ball Mm. or travels faster than. Mm. The point is that those windows become smaller and the wide receiver you feel most comfortable with is the one you're going to target. I'm the same way where I'm back and forth between two players in one wide receiver group. It's in Buffalo. And I loved the Emmanuel Sanders signing. Sanders can still play if you watch him the last few years. He's not washed up. He is 34. I think what we saw from John Brown, Manuel Sanders can do that. And in fact, that's basically the choice the Bills made in terms of at the market cost. Uh, and Brown had, I think, two touchdowns in the opener last year. Brown was part of the offense and ready to go. But Manuel Sanders is having foot problems. And as a Steelers fan, uh, I remember that that's why Manuel Sanders only lasted three years with the Steelers, four years with the Steelers. I think it was I think it an RFA tender from the Patriots. Anyway, my brain is foggy. The point is he went on to do things with other teams that he'll be remembered for more than the Steelers, even though the Steelers can add him to that track record of taking wide receivers. So when I hear Manuel he, Sanders, he is, he is, he is never mentioned 
It, mm-hmm. Whenever you talk about whenever you talk about the the wide receivers that that they mm-hmm. that they've drafted, people mention that you know they go back that far when they talk. You know, they talk, they go back that far because they talk about guys like Mike Wallace and stuff. But it doesn't right. seem like Emmanuel Sanders comes up. That's interesting. Yeah, we saw we watched Wallace at the Senior Bowl that one year when uh, <laughs> yeah. he was raw. He told us he learned stuff about running routes at the Senior Bowl that he never learned at Ole Miss. Like just in the three days he was at the Senior Bowl. Right. Was, again, the jump. So uh, what about Gabriel Davis? Right. What I like about Gabriel Davis was he was the most targeted Bills receiver in the end zone last year. He was a player that seemed to be on the same page with Josh Allen on those extended plays. And if Emmanuel Sanders' foot, and that was what, I think two years he had foot problems. Remember, he had one at SMU and one at at Pittsburgh. But the point is, if Sanders' feet or foot issues, you know, if they're not right, then that's going to open up Gabe Davis to have a full-time role with Josh Allen, who's, you know, he's slinging it right now. Yeah, I like it. Gabriel Davis, too, is a guy who feels like a lot of people are, you know, you hear people have interest in Cole Beasley and you hear people have interest in, of course, Diggs and stuff. But Gabriel Davis probably shouldn't be thought of as an afterthought. Um, okay, uh, so NFC East. Now, this one was legitimately hard for me because I don't like anybody on the Giants. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's and it's hard and it's hard. Like everybody who's who I'm interested in on the on the football team, it feels like everyone. I mean, it doesn't right. feel like any of them are really sleepers. Dallas is sort of the same way. So I ended up in Philly with mine, and just and just kind of looking at it. Look, I don't, I don't love, I don't love this play, but I think he could be a sleeper, and I just think the value with is Jalen Rager, uh-huh. um, wide receiver sixty. I mean, he's going, he's going around the same time in PPR leagues as players like Sterling Shepard, who I would, I mean, Chuba Hubbard, who we're not even sure is going to be the you know, the direct backup there for Christian McCaffrey with some of the new reporting coming out. I mean, he's got like, like guys like Rashad Penny and stuff. I mean, uh, he's going where kickers like Rodrigo Blankenship are going as Mm -hmm. far as, so for me, Jalen Rager, you know, is the epitome of a guy who could possibly make a year two, a year two leap after getting off to a slow start last season. And if if you think Jalen Hurts is going to hit, you know, Mm -hmm. some of these other guys have to hit. So I, have, I don't have very much conviction about this one, but it's more, 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 more of a lack of other options and kind of relying on that draft pedigree. Yeah. If we're talking about Eagles, we say we don't have very much conviction right now, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it's just the next chapter, like I was saying with Carson Wentz. I mean, it was an organization that really collapsed last year. You know, uh, at the beginning of the year, it was like Wentz, the extension, and their future's bright, and they're going to go into the sunset together, and it all fell apart. Um, so I love that. Uh, I'll toss out there, and you're right, Rager with that classic post-hype sleeper. The offensive line's going to be a lot better. Remember, like Dallas, their offensive line fell apart last year. Mm-hmm. So that you know, that's at least one thing to give Tug Peterson an excuse. We'll see what Nick Sirianni can do in year one. I'll say this. If Rager is a dud, then drop Rager after a week or two. They play Atlanta week one, so he should have an opportunity against those corners. Uh, if Rager is a dud, then just remember Quez Watkins. Because he got mm-hmm. a really good camp and a really good preseason, and yeah. just some, sometimes Alex, you just no matter what you think, you just can't uh, argue with reality. And the reality is, Watkins is the hottest receiver, the hottest pass catcher on that team right now. Um, I'll go to the Giants, and man, I hear you about the Giants. Like you got to hold your nose, right? Oh man, no, this is a team that I mean, I hope I'm wrong I, when I go this negative sometimes, but they just feel like they're speeding towards a brick wall right now mm-hmm. as an organization. Like what they have right now, like Gettleman, Daniel Jones, maybe. Joe Judge can survive the car crash, but it is a slow motion car wreck. That being said, we can use that to try to figure out who can benefit from that. Um, you mentioned Sterling Shepard, 
And I think Sterling Shepard's actually, depending on the kind of league you're in, right? Because if you have a league where you start three wide receivers and two flexes, or a 16-team league, a league where you're going pretty deep to get starters, Sterling Shepard could be valuable. He's the most targeted receiver. He and Daniel Jones have some chemistry. So in a PPR league where just, man, if you can just get eight or ten points out of that last spot that you have to put in your lineup because the league is so deep, Shepard could have some value. But I'll also, I, who I really want to mention is Darius Slayton. And oh, okay. Well, look, Slayton, as a rookie, looked like he was going to be a future star, right? Yes. I mean, Slayton and Mooney. I mean, Slayton and Mooney, one year after the other, and maybe it'll be like Anthony Schwartz this year. I don't know. But these guys with this incredible straight line speed, and in Mooney's case, he has this springy athleticism, too, that maybe Darius Slayton doesn't. But Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones and Jones' rookie year, and Slayton's rookie year, for that matter, uh, really made some beautiful music together. And last year, in that opener against the Steelers, which was, again, a slow-motion car wreck, he did catch that deep touchdown from Jones. And I know Kenny Galladay's there, but look, Kenny Galladay's the guy that you go into the game plan saying, we're not going to let Kenny Galladay beat us. And maybe you have a number one corner, who boundary corner, who can match up with him. But Slayton's going to get those one-on-one matchups. And Slayton and Jones already have their deep timing because Jones and Galladay are not getting on the same page. It just hasn't happened yet, according to observers. So it, it's more of a long shot because, like you said, it's the Giants. I don't want anything to do with that. But that's why these guys are available in the late rounds. Jones and Galladay not on the same page. That's the first I've kind. Of, that's the first I've kind of heard about that. So that is, and Galladay hasn't been out there to get on the same page yeah. lately and with the yeah. hamstring anyway. But it was not going well early. I mean, just the Daniel Jones thing was not going well early. Like the observers, and you know, it's difficult as a beat writer who has now. Granted, in the big markets, maybe you can bear your fangs a little bit more because if it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. But the reports about Daniel Jones early in camp are like. There's just no way to sugarcoat it. He just doesn't look like he's playing well. Like, he doesn't look like he's a good quarterback right now. And I don't know. We'll see. The 2021 Rosterwatch Cheat Sheet is available now at Rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at Rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. An expert quality draft is guaranteed as long as you follow the rules. The three simple rules that a toddler could follow. This sheet is magical. It's mystical. It is mythical. It is the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. Only at rosterwatch.com. There's similar reporting coming out of the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Joe Burrow to a lesser degree. Let's move to the AFC North. Uh, My sleeper there. This was another tough one, but uh, I think I I think I ended up or I know what I ended up coming around to because it's written down right here. It's it's (laughs) it's 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 it's, it's Gus Edwards. Sure. uh, Just because I I just I feel like for one, I feel like the Gus bus is actually good. Mm-hmm. Two, mm-hmm. I think that the running game in Baltimore is going to be good. Three, I know that the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, the Baltimore Ravens as an organization really like Gus. You talk to people around there. They say, like, we think he's really good. Yeah. You know, we don't we don't want another team to have him. So as much as I think that J.K. Dobbins will, you know, just be a great player and be an efficient player, maybe he'll be a better football player for real life football than for fantasy. And, and if that's the case. I think that Gus Edwards could be a guy that, you know, vultures some action from him and maybe sees a 40, 45% touch share. If that's the case, he's, he's going to be fantasy viable when you can get him in the ninth and 10th round. of these I, uh, Yes. Gus Bus fits well in those uh, weight on running back 
draft plans. Sure. Uh, when Mark Ingram either was inactive or only got a snap last year, Edwards averaged like 13 or 14 points a game in PPR leagues. And that included a game against the Steelers where Lamar Jackson didn't play and it was just kind of a debacle. Um, so, yeah. And he, remember LaRon McClain? I mean, they just yeah. know how to what to And McClain didn't even come into the league as a uh, guy I think they were looking at. But there is this idea, Wasn't Alex. Was he a fullback? He was. Exactly. He came into the league <laughs> yeah. as a fullback. Yeah. But the idea is in this in, in a certain kind of running game, a guy who just gets downhill and runs hard and Edwards has gained more burst every year I watch him he looks like he has more burst but he's a load and he just attacks the hole I and mean, he's perfect for what they ask him to do and you're right to say that this could be a, a Dobbins Edwards committee I'll say this I think Dobbins and Edwards could both outproduce their ADP. I, I mean, yeah, I think, I think that, yeah, I think that's within the realm too. Yeah. It's not a reason like liking Edwards there have been some drafts Alex where I've taken Dobbins in the third because Dobbins is just so physically talented so good he's i mean he, it's kind of like arian foster with juice you know because he's thick uh and, and he's got acceleration but he's also very fluid and agile and in that running game where so many lanes get opened up you see them just rip off these big plays and i think that dobbins even he could be nick chubb and edwards could be he has the, he has the same sec he has the same second to third level burst as like a Nick Chubb. Like yeah. whenever those guys get to the hole, you don't realize what a home run threat they are getting to the third yes. level of defense. And it will yeah. be there for this running game. So I love that. There's, you're right. This is a division bereft of sleepers, really. I mean, the Steelers offense is straightforward. We can mention Pat Fryermuth. Um, Cincinnati, you know, who's the backup running back? I thought it was going to be Samaj P. Ryan because we don't, you know, everyone's worried about Joe Mixon. Who's the backup? I mean, it may be like two or three guys. I don't looks, even know. Looks like it'll be the Chris, Chris Evans. Chris Evans right. is a pass catcher. Right. And I think they still have Patrick. So, you know, that's a little bit of a mess. Um, I guess where we end up is Cleveland because we're not going to the Baltimore passing game. We end up in <laughs> Cleveland and this is more of a waiver wire speed dial guy, not so much someone to draft, but Donovan Peoples Jones yeah. is a guy that again, you just hear Cecil Lammy, my co-host on the audible uh, coin that idea of the drum beat of training camp. And it's just every practice Donovan Peoples Jones. And what's interesting about that, Alex, is that you know, he came into the league as a six round pick, but was a highly recruited player Had all the measurables you want. But in Michigan, just the production wasn't there. And some people said it's the quarterback, it's the quarterback. And it sure looks like it was the quarterback. And that makes Nico Collins more interesting also, because he's another one. He's got the measurables, you know, he's got the, uh, the NFL receiver profile. Uh, so we'll watch him in Houston, but Donovan Peoples Jones is going up fast. I don't know if it's going to make him fantasy relevant, but if you don't like Odell Beckham, I can't help myself, Alex. I take Odell Beckham in just about every draft. Like, I'm still <laughs> wild by the name six round and I can get Odell Beckham. Uh, but if you think that Odell Beckham is washed, then Donovan Peoples Jones would slot into that role in that offense where you get the deep shot off of play action. And that's going to be there and be there and be there. So we talk about the Michigan, the Michigan wide receivers and, and uh, you know, another guy is in that bucket besides just DPJ and uh, Nico Collins is the guy vying for a roster spot in Indy, which is Tariq Black. He's he's mm -hmm. he's he's made some plays, too. He had a similar profile coming out. And my my uh, my NFC North pick here for a sleeper is actually in Detroit, Michigan. It is. Nice. 
I'm on Ross St. Brown. I think that he just I, – I don't even know what his ADP is because some of these drafts he doesn't even go in. Let us let me just look and see. So I'm on Ross St. Brown, wide receiver 67, ADP of 191. Uh, I mean, he, to me, he has some of the looks of like a – he kind of reminds me of a, of a Cooper Cup type of player. And Jared Goff, you know, we know that kind of connection. I don't like – I. I don't like the wide receivers that Detroit has on the roster right now. It feels like they're all going to be guys who are going to be gone soon as that team. I don't, I don't know what Detroit's doing. I don't know what, you know, they gave Dan Campbell that big contract or that long contract. I'm not sure if that's something that they can get out of sooner than later, or whether they're focused on a, you know, a real true, you know, five year rebuild here, but no matter what it is, I think even a dynasty, like I'm not scared about the situation there in Detroit for Amon say Amon Ross Brown, even right. long term, because it feels like no matter what happens, if there's a new org, org that comes in, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna like him. He's a good player. So in redraft and a dynasty, I've been higher on Amon Ross St. Brown than I think most have. And he would he would be my pick. I think he's I think it's fine to take Amon Ross St. Brown with the last pick before you take kickers and defenses in, in your redraft league this year. It's similar to the Sterling Shepard analysis. I was, uh, if you, there's a league where, hey, if you have a guy who's likely to get four for 45 or five for 54, you're happy with that and you're oh, last, yeah. then Amon Ross St. Brown's going to be that guy. And I think you laid out the case perfectly. You just have to look at the kinds of receivers that Jared Goff, I mean, what, we know the story, right? I mean, Jared Goff's just not going to throw downfield. He's not going to be aggressive. He's not going to push boundaries. That's why he's not the quarterback for the Rams anymore, but it takes you when you simulate the offense. And St. Brown's probably going to be a slot only guy but he's going to be the guy targeted he's and this was cooper cup like you said like cooper cup some games might have only been on the field for half the snaps but was getting targeted and running routes on most of those snaps uh so looking elsewhere in the division i gotta mention irv smith he's had a really good summer coming into his third year really young they use tight ends a lot. Um, oh, yeah, if there's yeah. an injury, he's and a, good. Yeah, good. He's <laughs> Herb's good. And he's, yeah, and a core receiver. So you know, if you whether you take a tight end early or you take wait on tight end, Irv Smith can fit in your draft plan. Because if you take a tight end early, you want to take guys like Irv Smith in the second half of your draft, so that someone who doesn't take a tight end early uh, doesn't get away with it. And it's a way to lock in the advantage. Uh, take your favorite late round tight end. And, and, Herb's not really a late-round tight end, but i got to mention Darnell Mooney again also. And what do we like about Darnell Mooney? Two lanes. So we're down here in New Orleans, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a- athletically, I know he's a fifth-round pick, but athletically, there's not a lot of limitations there. The only limitation is he's not like 6'4", 220, okay? But what do we hear about Justin Fields? There was a good one uh, this morning, Adam Johns, or maybe it was yesterday. You know, we're all trying to prognosticate these quarterback battles, right? And Matt Nagy's like, we want to see Adam Andy Dalton play. Yeah. We want to see Justin Fields. We want to see what they can do. He's just little by little backing off of this idea that it's Dalton. Dalton's going to play. Dalton's going to play for sure. And maybe Dalton's still going to play for sure in week one because, man, it's the Rams. So don't throw Justin Fields to the Wolves in week one. Let Andy Dalton be the you know uh, crash test dummy for that game. But Fields is getting in sooner or later. And Fields has that eerie, deep accuracy when you watch him at Ohio State. And that's Darnell Mooney, man. Darnell Mooney's the guy that's going to be able to, you know, Fields can throw that ball where Robert Griffin III had this for that first year, too, is magical, where the receiver can just put his arms out and the ball will just naturally drop into his arms in stride on a 50, 60 yard deep ball. And Justin Fields can do that. So I'm real excited to see what Darnell Mooney can do with him. 
anybody who's been watching the Chicago Bears preseason games, you haven't seen it from Mooney yet because he hasn't been playing as much. Yeah. But, you, but you've seen it from Rodney Adams. Whenever you see those routes that Rodney Adams has been running to get those big, long, explosive touchdowns, just picture being a better player and, and Darnell Mooney, picture being a better quarterback, get, get, getting it down the football field to him. Um, all right, let's go to the now. the a, We just we, we just have two more, Sig. We, That's right. We're, we're, we're the West young men, not so young men. You're younger than me. <laughs> well, yeah. We're we're both well on we're both well on our way, Sig. Um, yeah. <laughs> so a, AFC AFC West uh, for me that for me this one was actually kind of tough. Maybe you have some sneaky. I know Cecil's always Cecil always covers the covers the uh, Broncos so well. We always see him at, always see him out there at that camp. Maybe you have some sneaky Bronco up your mm-hmm. up your sleeve. I couldn't think of any. For, look for 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 me, I'm just. It's it's Brian Edwards. I for the Raiders. I loved him so much as a prospect coming out. I feel like you can get him. I mean, he's probably probably has the the latest ADP of anybody I've mentioned. Yeah, ADP of wide receiver seventy three, two hundred eight overall. Uh, he reminded me of a sort of a sort of a plus sized Debo Samuel coming out. Um, was hurt during this, his preseason camp as a rookie didn't do much during his rookie season. And then, I mean, I feel like the hype has gone overboard with him with, you know, people, you know, calling him a mix of a T.O. and Randy Moss and all this other garbage. But, um, you know, it is, it has been telling that Gruden's held him out of the first two preseason games and and saying, you know, we have our, we have our established guys. We need to get a look at some of the younger, younger dudes. I don't think it could keep being a completely a Darren Waller offense. So I can see Brian Edwards breaking out to some degree. And I'm, I'm a believer in his talent. There's a lot of good stuff he said there. And with Edwards, it's two summers in a row that he's the talk of training camp, and maybe that's all he'll be. But it also could be the precursor to something more. And all those great receivers that came in the league last year, including Edwards, if you would attract him earlier in his career, his college football career, he was considered on a par with all those guys. Mm -hmm. Injuries and a few other things, but he he could potentially be a special player. I like that call. Um, There's a lot of guys here I want to mention. I want to mention Foster Moreau on the Raiders simply because if Darren Waller gets hurt, he'll be a fantasy relevant tight end right away. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers got to mention Josh Palmer just because he's having a really good camp. Well, he was, I was, I was choosing between Palmer and Edwards. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. And these are waiver wire guys. I mean, don't, and it's, if your league's deep enough, you might draft Josh Palmer, but it's more like week one, week two waiver wire runs. And if they break out, um, you know, I'll mention Brian Pringle, anybody attached to uh, good old Patrick Mahomes and, Nicole Hardman is probably in that same range. You know, we, you mentioned Elijah Moore. I mentioned Darnell Mooney already. Hardman's another. They're all about in the same range of the draft. You might have to make only only get one of them mm-hmm. to have some clarity on which one like best, but they all have appeal. Um, the guy I'm going to mention, though, is kind of in the same idea, and it's going to Denver and Cecil, and this is straight from Cecil. Uh, <laughs> I, I knew it. <laughs> of course. Well, he's there. He's there, and he's willing yeah, to tell no, the truth. You're right. I, no, yeah, yeah. He's I don't want to get up on a soapbox, but he's there, and he's willing to tell the truth about what he sees. And by the way, I want, I want to go back and touch on one other thing you said about Brian Edwards. It's that they're not playing him in the first two preseason games. And I don't know if it's just because we're so hungry for football, Alex, and I'm the king of overreacting, so I shouldn't bang on anyone for overreacting, okay? But I'm seeing a lot of people really strongly reacting to preseason usage in game one and game two. Mm -hmm. I mean, I care about the preseason for rookies and things like that, but I never really cared about usage until week three, if week three, and maybe because it's only a three-game preseason, we may see teams be even more conservative about playing vets in the preseason. Like you said, the most meaningful thing in the preseason usage is who doesn't get used because the team sees them as a core piece. 
That's the thing. More than, oh, Gus Edwards played more th- you know, than J.K. Dobbins or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's, these are the core pieces, and Edwards is being treated as one. So the guy I'm going to mention here is K.J. Hamler, and it's a similar idea to Jalen Rager, the post-hype sleeper, second-round pick last year. Um, you saw him with the 80-yard touchdown. I thought the 80-yard touchdown was supposed to be the guy that's the hyped guy. And he had it in the preseason, but it was with Drew Locke. Now, last week we were talking about this, Alex. We say Locke is in the lead to start, and that's one of the reasons you like Hamler. Hamler's the guy on the roster that can't outrun – out, I'm sorry, Locke can't overthrow. Yeah. Right. You know, Hamler's going to get there. He's got the fast, fast speed like Muni. Um, but now Teddy Bridgewater you know, landed his shots this – weekend and it's kind of even again but either way hamler's really dynamic he, he's gonna have a chance to get out there he just needs to stay healthy you like him better with Locke because Locke doesn't have good chemistry with judy we already saw that last year and this is all you know cecil i'm, I'm just it's this is in cecil's head and my voice in my head as i say it um sutton isn't right i mean sutton's gonna he's just not gonna be 100 percent right away and that kind of leaves Hamler, and no fan, uh, as the passing weapons, if it's Drew Locke. But there's a lot of ifs when we talk about Denver this year. In, NFC West, uh, as we round it out, Sig. But before we do, just uh, can you tell them one time where they can find you? And, 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 yeah. And just tell them about football guys and everything. Sure. Yep. You know, football guys is just a bunch of people that are obsessed with football and fantasy football <laughs> and like to put their thoughts down on screen or on paper or through tools and data visualization and data analysis. Uh, a lot of people come from a lot of different angles. So if you think about this stuff way too much, there's something for you. I think in the pre-roll before we came on the air, I said it's like an amusement park of f- football analysis and you'll find some rides that you like to ride. Yeah, I mean... There aren't any signs where you got to be a certain height or anything. No. Either. Everything is open to all. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. So uh, finally here, let's we'll go to the uh, NFC West here, which, of course, you can find Sig on Twitter at Sigmund Bloom, just basically how you would uh, how you would expect it to be um, spelled. I'm sure if you're mm-hmm. watching this, you definitely follow him. But if, if you don't go get that done and it's actually a picture of some kind of um, – What's his sea name? Monster. Some kind of creepy octopus or something? Sea monster. Sigmund oh. the sea monster from the 70s. Oh, oh right, right, right. Uh, you've, you, you've explained that to me before, I believe. Okay, uh, NFC West. For me, this one was I – mean, I, there was one guy that came to me right off the bat, and I realized that there are other guys who I thought of that I think would, are really good ones too. But just for the amount that I get this guy in the 14th round of most every draft that I enter and exit, it's got to be Rondale Moore. Oh, I, 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 just, yeah. I just love Rondale. He's such an exciting player, man. He, he, we had an interview with him, and we, he's, he, he, he legit told us if he, wouldn't, if, if he wasn't a football player, he would le- legitimately, literally, this isn't a joke, he would be an acrobat. Which is wow. just, which is this is the most amazing, this is the That's most amazing fantastic. answer I've ever heard because it's true. He's a, he's he's an incredible, you know, he's an incredible gymnast. He does a bunch of rope swing stuff. He's like he's 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 people think he's so small, man, but he's he's thick, dude. He's a he's an athlete, and some of the things that I saw at Purdue, I just I just can't unsee. I have I have I have you know visions of what yes. Rondell Moore could be. And if all I'm doing is spending my last pick before kickers and defenses, that's the one that I get real excited. Oh, yeah. And you really nailed it when you said he'd go back to his freshman year at Purdue, and he was just the kind of player you were excited to watch. There weren't, aren't that many players every year that you can say you're just excited to watch that player. Like, you will sit down and watch. You'll sit down and watch Purdue against Northern Iowa so that you can watch <laughs> Rondale Moore. You know what I mean? That's how exciting it was to watch him. And then he got banged up, and then it seemed like maybe the injuries were affecting him, and he wasn't quite the player we 
were used to seeing. And it's been a while since we've seen that Rondale Moore. But it looks like, from early indications, that's the Rondale Moore that Arizona got. And Cliff Kingsbury knows what to do with a player like that. So you're right. That's awesome. And the Acrobat thing, I'm going to steal totally steal that. I'll give you all credit <laughs> for it. Not because Acrobat, we always say acrobatic catches, right? Mm-hmm. An Acrobat has a very special, it's like the people that do parkour, right? They can climb up walls and things like that. Yeah, man. It's like a very special, I think they call it prio perception. Don't quote me on that. But it's a sense of where your body is in space and a way way that you can manipulate it. You have to be able to do that. You know who also has it? Like skateboarders, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But it's something that translates to the football field. And I bet there are some guys that if you ask them to do some acrobatic trick, uh, they wouldn't be able to do it at all. They wouldn't be coordinated enough to do it, uh, even though they might have something else on the football field. So I love that. So I'm going to go elsewhere. More was first on my list and talk about Gerald Everett. And it got a little banged up. That's been the Mm -hmm. thing, right? He just can't stay on the field. But you can lay this out, right? Like he came over with Shane Waldron, who by the way is installing an offense. They're really excited about there. Really, really excited about it's speeding things up and they're disguising whether it's a play that's going to be a run play or a pass play, which makes you wonder like how much, what's the lack of imagination holding back Russell Wilson and this offense in general. That's a different topic, a much deeper topic uh, we could get into. The point is, Seattle's offense like bet the over this year on production. Everett's going to basically be the number three receiver. Dwayne Eskridge, their second round pick, has got a toe issue. He had an orthotic put in his shoe, which just tells me he's not going to get better this year. He's going to have to play with it. So I don't think that's a recipe for rookie impact. Um, Waldron is actually Everett's rookie tight, tight end coach in his rookie year. He was the first pick of the McVay regime. So he comes over. He's an excellent, talented receiving tight end. He's just never gotten the opportunity because he's shared with Tyler Higby. He should get the opportunity in what could be a really good offense. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 